0: As a reminder, the following podcast is an inclusive space for sex and sexuality where we talk about adult themes, sexual content, and may use some strong language. Today's trigger warning is, in this episode we discuss mental health, homophobia, self-harm, and suicide ideation, non-consensual kinks, and religious topics. Please listen with care. Welcome to today's episode of My Other Boyfriend is a Vibrator, where we have a no-kings-limited mentality to sex and erotica, and absolutely no topic is too taboo to discuss. My name is Hallie Catherine. I'm a sex positivity advocate, self-published author, and erotica enthusiast who's in a polyamorous relationship with my favorite sex toy. Today we're joined by L.M. Archer as we discuss exactly what inclusivity and sexual representation in the industry looks like and where we're going for the future. She is an author in the M.M. relationship space and likes to explore the dark side of the romance spectrum. Her books tackle mental health, moral values, religion, and many other topics that are raw and real. She is unapologetic in the emotions she addresses in her writing and covers topics that are most important to her. Hi, Lena. How are you today? I'm good. How are you? (laughs) I'm great. I know. feels weird after having just talked for like five minutes to say that. No, I know how that works. (laughs) You know, you got to segue into it. But yeah, I'm doing good today. So I'm really excited to have you here and talk a little bit more about your book as well as some of the topics relating to it. And so, of course, you know, we love to get started here with all of the questions that we ask everybody. So let's start with, what is your favorite sex toy or kink, either in a book or in the bedroom? We don't discriminate, you know, and tell me a little bit about that.
1: Okay. Well, my favorite sex toy is probably a wand. Mm. I really like the stimulation it gives. So it's probably my favorite. And then my favorite kink. Oh, that one's so hard because I like all kinks. Oh, fun. <laughs> I'm one of those people that I just, I really like. When characters are turned on in general, like, Mm -hmm. that's my favorite things. So as long as it's turning someone on, I'm fine with it. Pegging is up there, I think, as far as kinks go. I also like, God, pretty much anything. (laughs) Hey, I'm such... Come play is fun. I'm such a, like, a horror
0: for kinks. Like, I like it all. (laughs) Well, (laughs) we love love kinks here. So don't (laughs) you don't have any... You are going to be right at home here. So for the wand, is that like the hitachi one. i just have to ask Now
1: the one that i use it's like i can't explain Maybe but it's like shaped it it's like that right <laughs> it looks yeah it kind of like has a, a handle has and like a the, ball the, at the, the end. big
0: ball at the top okay yes, yeah yes yeah those things are like super powered like yes those are in yes <laughs> so <laughs> that's why they're my favorite <laughs>
1: I know, like, sometimes, like, after
0: you've used one and you go back to, like, using others that are, like, they're just not there. You're just kind of like, it's so weak. What's going on? We just,
1: we just got one that has, like, a sucking-type situation, and it was really weird at first, but I kind of got into it.
0: So kind of <laughs> like how you see those ones that they call, like, the satisfiers, right, that have the little air pulse technology? Yeah.
1: It has, like, a little hole, and it, it's supposed to mimic, like, a sucking huh. feeling. It's yeah. very strange. And like the first time we, I used it, like I put it on my hand just to see what it was like. I was like, that's really weird. <laughs> but I was like, man, I'm kind of into this.
0: <laughs> Those are my mother's favorite types of toys. She calls them her boyfriend. And so there are a lot of women who are really into that that type of toy. Yeah, so. I, I,
1: well, reading the reviews on sex toys is like the best thing ever. <laughs>
0: like, <laughs> Especially when it's like the slightly seasoned users, right? Like the older ladies who, like, you can tell oh, yeah. that, like, they're way out of their depth trying to shop on like the Adam <laughs> And they're just like, you know, it really, yeah, you know, I just really enjoy this experience here, you know, but there were just too many buttons. And it's like, there's three buttons, Doris. What's going on here? Oh, okay. Well, you know, I just, how did you get started writing? in general. And then obviously, how did you get into the romance space? So for listeners, Lena writes male male romances. And so take me through that journey and what that looked like.
1: Well, I've always read romance. Like, Mm -hmm. like, ever since high school, I started I got into romance, and I just never dropped it as a genre. I read a little bit of YA, but I've always came back to romance. I really like it. Mm -hmm. I mean, as far as writing goes, it was one of those things that like I was reading and reading and reading. And I was like, this just isn't giving me what I want. (laughs) And and then I was thinking, well, I can't complain because I'm not willing to try it myself. Mm-hmm. And then I was like, so until I'm willing to try it myself, I'm not going to complain. Yeah. Well, I was still complaining in my head. So I was like, well, I guess I got to try it myself. <laughs> and <laughs> Cool for the Summer, my first book that I've released was mm-hmm. born from that. And then I wrote the Take Me to Church series next. Mm-hmm. And I have a bunch of other stuff that I've written that I haven't published yet. Mm-hmm. But I just, I picked it up one day and... I was like, well, fuck, I'm pretty good at this. Uh, Maybe, maybe I should like put this
0: into the world. It's the best best way to find anything, right? You know? (laughs) Yeah.
1: And, you know, I found the people who ended up being like my betas and alphas and stuff. And Mm -hmm. they really pushed me to like, pursue it as a career. And I haven't stopped, I guess. (laughs) So, so how long have you been writing for?
0: When did she start? I've been
1: writing, God, I mean, I've been writing my whole life, but, like, seriously writing, mm-hmm. probably about four years now. Okay,
0: okay. Yeah. Because I, I, we've had people that are, like, newer to it, people that are, like, more seasoned and stuff like that. So I just like to ask that question, you know, just to get an idea. And so you say you also read YA, so I just have to ask, what do you think of the new trend of, like, YA books, including spicy scenes in them?
1: Well, here's the thing. My Take Me to Church series could be YA. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I can.
0: Well, it is a teenager. It. Yeah.
1: Yeah, they are teenagers. I actually aged them up before I published mm-hmm. because when I first wrote it, they were one was seventeen going on eighteen, and the other one was eighteen going on nineteen. Mm-hmm. So I aged the seventeen-year-old up to eighteen. Yeah. Because I didn't want backlash. Yeah. But I go back and forth because mm-hmm. a part of me is like, you know, teens have sex.
0: Yes. They do.
1: Mm-hmm. <laughs> Why are we pretending they don't?
0: Especially this generation more than anybody else, I think, yeah. is so and much more aware of it than even we were as kids, right? Yeah.
1: And if you look at entertainment in general, there's plenty of shows about teenagers that include explicit sex scenes, like Sex Education and all of these other TV shows. And while the actors aren't teens, mm-hmm. they're still it's still about teenagers. And then any other kind of entertainment has that type of thing. And then the other argument for it for me is that teens want to be represented. And if you pretend that they don't have sex, it's not representation. I agree. So that's important for me. I could see why it would make people feel uncomfortable. But at the end of the day, the audience for a YA isn't a Mm 30-year-old. It's I mean, it might be.
0: (laughs) Also,
1: I mean <laughs> like, yes, I'm not saying that 30 year olds can't enjoy YA, but it's called Young Adult. I promise we're not insulting any of the adult women out there that no. also read YA I literature. Love, I love YA. I still read YA. Like I'm not insulting anyone, but <laughs> that's kind of like, that's the point. And then there's also so much that like YA books will tackle. Like they're allowed to talk about self-harm and yeah. suicidal ideation and all of these very adult topics but sex is suddenly off the table so that's a little strange i don't know to me like that's why i'm fine mm-hmm. with steamier scenes but at the end the other side of it is obviously parents may not feel comfortable allowing yeah. their teens to read that even though their teens have probably been reading like fanfic since mm-hmm. they were 13 <laughs> with explicit the, scenes the, that fa- aren't the
0: fanfic <laughs> stuff is like crazy out there. Like, the Germani stuff. And, like, and especially, like, I feel like the fanfics were, like, the OG, like, journey of representation for like the spectrum of sexuality, right? Because yes. I felt like you took so many books that maybe were traditionally like more hetero viewing and then like fanfics would like they would break the barrier, right? They would do, you know, they do the Harry and the Draco thing or the Harry and the yeah, Ron Drary. thing. Or they do like mm-hmm. the pot like the pop. I read about one that's like a polyam between like Harry, Ron, and Hermione, and I'm like, that actually makes sense for that kind of friendship that they have, that that could be a thing that would go on, so.
1: Harry, Hermione, and Draco is a big one. There's Miney, which is Luna and Hermione. Mm -hmm. So a lot of teens have been using fanfiction as a way to explore their sexuality and learn about sex, but fanfic isn't always the safest way to learn about sex and the best way it's usually inaccurate and (laughs) so you know at least in romance like at least in like steamier YA romance you know that the information is probably going to be at least a little bit more correct or at least well written Mm -hmm. (laughs) but I've read some good fanfics man let me tell you.
0: Yeah, I go back to the comment that you made about like kids are out there and they are learning about this. Type of type Because like this is something that I became very aware of in the pandemic with I have two little brothers. I won't mention them by name just because, you know, safety reasons. We're 9 and 11. And, you know, in the pandemic, right, as they were getting more exposed to screens, I think one of the things that was really prevalent for them that they noticed is like, you know, being on TikTok, right? And how open these platforms are becoming more about the spectrum, you know, what we call the spectrum of sexuality, right? Because it truly is, it's a a spectrum, right? That's why it's the rainbow, you know? And, you know, that was interesting seeing what it was like seeing two, like one's Gen Alpha and one's Gen Z and seeing what that looked like for them, you know, to be in that kind of, because everybody questions it like 10 and 11 years of age. You you know, you're going through puberty, you're feeling so much, so many hormones and stuff like that. And so, and one of the things that like, you know, with my 11 year old little brother, you know, he's, you know, exploring, you know, what it means to be gay. That's what he's identified himself as. And I've been supportive of that completely. But one of the things I wanted to make clear with him, I was like, you want to make sure that who you're getting your information from is like an accurate source, you know, with regards to TikTok and stuff like that. Because, you know, you don't know who could be on the other end of that information. And also, it could be incorrect information, you know, that's being filtered through a lot of different sources, you know? And yeah. so I was just really, you know, with him, I was like, it's so great. I love it. I was like, but let's also just remember that it's still the internet, right? Yeah. It's still the internet. Yeah. Let's Google and talk about what that looks like. I, as a hetero woman, can't talk about what, you know, homosexual sex looks like. I was like, but I can connect you with people who can, right? Yeah. We can yeah. have that conversation with people that can talk about that and what that means and what, you know, that looks like. And so, and I think that was one thing that I really, really noticed was that, you know, there are a lot of different sources of information and they're learning from it. And I think it has to be a part of that conversation is in as much as way as you possibly can be, you know, just to make sure that, you know, they are learning about their sexuality in a healthy way. I mean, I think when I was growing up, it was so much different because of the way the culture focused on it. I love that it's just so aware, right? Because the big thing we've been talking with him is, like, about allyship and what that looks like, right? So what does it mean to be an ally, right? And who are our allies and stuff like that? And I think that that having those sources, like, you know, fan fiction and blogs and TikToks and stuff like that, is a great source to talk about those things with them because you get to see the variety of the opinions.
1: It's so funny that you mentioned culture because one of my alphas, a good friend of mine, mm-hmm. she's from Holland, and she was just shocked when I was talking about aging up my guys and making it new adult instead of young adult because she was like, it's just sex. I don't understand. She was like, she said something about how it's so weird to her that in the US, culturally we're kind of more prudish.
0: Yeah, and definitely.
1: She just thought it was so strange that like people made such a big deal about you know teens having sex in books or something like that. And I was like, my books deal with, you know, trigger warning. They deal with things like self-harm and suicide and suicidal ideation and internal struggles with homophobia and things of that nature. But I can't, Have a explicit sex scene. (laughs) I can have a scene where one of them tries to commit suicide, but I can't have an explicit sex scene. Like that doesn't make a lot of sense to me. So her and I had a really interesting conversation about that because she was like, "In our country, it's not that big of a deal. In our culture, it's not that big of a deal."
0: And I think for so long in America, we just made the assumption that kids weren't going through this, right? Like that, I think is like what really leads to it is right because it's been such a heavy you know, puritanical culture in America that we just made a lot Very of assumption beautiful. that like kids aren't going through this, right? Because if the end result is that maybe they decide to be hetero, right? Well, well they never questioned, their hetero. Well, no, they still possibly questioned. They still went through steps. Maybe they're not 100% hetero. Maybe there is yeah. a better title and label out there because I think that you know, for so long, it was gay, straight, gay, straight, gay, straight, right? And it's like, well, mm-hmm. but gay isn't one term either, right? There's You have poly and you have asexual and you have all of these different varied and myriad, you know, labels that are out there that are your options that will fit whatever you want your lifestyle to be. And so I think we just didn't talk about it for song because we just wanted to make the assumption kids weren't going through this. I think it's great that we do now. Yeah.
1: Yeah, purity culture is such a big thing in America. Like my mom, she's a conservative mm-hmm. Christian lady. And she literally just felt that if she didn't tell us about sex and, and we didn't know about it. Then that you weren't going to we were have not, it. Yeah, we weren't going to have it. Yeah. For a long time, I learned everything I knew about sex from my male friends in romance novels. Yeah. So when I tackle sex in my novels, I try to do it in a way that teaches people safe sex, mm-hmm. consensual sex. Yeah and things of that nature instead of, I mean, when I realized what sex was, it was a book that had the pairing, a werewolf and a half Valkyrie, half vampire mm-hmm. hybrid. <laughs> so that's not exactly like, you know, hey, fantasy romance, <laughs> feminine
0: strong. I mean, hey, we love it all over here. We do. Yeah.
1: <laughs> but yeah, that's how I learned about sex. So I didn't want, if someone were to pick out my books, I wanted them to be able to like, be like, oh, this is actually good information about sex.
0: instead of Yeah, I think it's so, it's so interesting now because we're seeing this big trend with consent right and I think it's awesome to actually like and some authors do it in like a more of an a tongue-in-cheek way you know and then some of them are just very blatant and I think it's like because we make such a concerted effort to talk about safe sex in our novels right that it would make sense that we would want to include like consent also and so I think that it's cool that you're actually starting to see characters have active conversation about consent because In concept, how do you teach children? consent? There's really, the only way you can really teach them is just like, if it makes you feel uncomfortable, then it's not okay, right? Yeah. And like, it's great to see that there's media out there for kids to look at, especially, you know, teens are coming of age and say like, okay, that in concept makes sense because I've been in a situation like that. And I remember feeling like that character felt. And this tells me that that was not a moment of consent right? And so I think it's awesome to see those things. And I honestly wish we could see more of it.
1: Yeah, I noticed a trend that like a lot of authors have been including conversations between their main characters about morning sex and how they would, you know, they're fine, they're down with that Mm -hmm. anytime. Because, you know, waking up someone with some kind of sexual activity is kind of it's almost non consensual in some ways. Yeah. So including that conversation, previously beforehand with the character saying yeah you can wake me up with sex go for it i'll be down for that yeah. it kind of it helps that yeah. more conversation about consent in general yeah
0: i think so well i think that for so long there were like these scenes that we would see that would kind of almost like borderline trigger warning rape right you would look at that and like now what we know about consent right versus like 20 years ago what we knew about consent You know, like we look at that now, we're like, yeah, that definitely is a situation where somebody was taken advantage of. And, you know, and it makes people nowadays feel icky, right? And it affects the longevity of some of these books, right? You know, because you see the characters be okay with it. And it's like, just because we knew that it happened, like maybe back, like, you know, 20, 30 years ago, doesn't mean that it's okay, regardless of, you know, how the book ages and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, that part might not age as well Mm -hmm. as
1: some other parts of the book
0: Yeah. I mean, I just think in general, I really just love finding characters that like represent the person who is reading, right? I think that that for kids to be able to see that kind of stuff in books. And so I guess I just wanted to kind of ask like a fun question. Like, you know, if you were to write a character who is very representative of you, right? Lena L.M. Archer, right? You know, what would that look like?
1: Actually, I already have. His name is Harlan, and he's in the Take Me to Church series. He's a lot like me.
0: Mm
1: -hmm. I actually made Luca and Harlan, both of the characters, like me in some way. Mm -hmm. But Harlan's definitely more like me personality-wise. He's very logical. Mm -hmm. He's also very insecure, which I... He's basically me when I was in high school in a lot of ways. Mm -hmm. He's very insecure. He's not sure of himself but he is sure of who he is in a lot of ways. I know that doesn't sound like it makes sense, but like he is sure of who he is, Yeah. but he's also very Mm self-conscious of the things he does and how he's perceived. So I made him a lot like me, Mm personality-wise. Luca, the other character in the book, he's similar to me in the way that he is from a conservative family and he was super religious at the beginning of the series. Mm -hmm. And I was that way too, and I really struggled with religion and my sexuality and how those two things aligned with each other. Yeah. So both of them are kind of me combined. I think there's a little bit of me in every character though. Mm -hmm. I don't know if I'll ever like write a character that is solely me. Yeah. But I think that I put a little bit of myself in every character. Like the next series I have coming out, it's a dark mafia trilogy. Oh, nice. In the second book. Yeah. in In the second book, there's a character who is a lot like me. I guess with my mental instability. <laughs> His mental illness is
0: aligned no, with mine in a long No, It's of okay. <laughs> hey, hey, we yeah. want to we want to talk about it. Hey, we're open to it all and discuss it if you you want to talk about it. Yeah. We can talk about it. So I mean, I know you grew up in the South, right? I grew up in the South also, right? Louisiana, you know, same situation. <laughs> I wasn't that deep. <laughs> Good for you. (laughs) It is a different country down there. I'm just gonna say that, yeah. (laughs) You know, and so I grew up. I also grew up in like a very religious family. Like you know, you did. So you really feel like your personal experiences of like going through that have affected your writing.
1: One hundred percent. I grew up in a conservative religious family. Mm -hmm. My parents don't believe that women should cut their hair. They don't think that women should dye their hair. So it was conservative to that point. My mom only wears dresses. I've never seen her wear pants. So, I was taught from a very young age that I am less than because I am a woman. Yeah. And also that homosexuality is a choice and is Mm -hmm. wrong and it will send you to hell. Yeah. And all this other stuff. But as I got older, I, like, I don't know. I've always just kind of questioned it. I got in trouble a lot for questioning (laughs) religion in general. (laughs) Like, I got, like, so I got into so much trouble because I asked how Noah's Ark was smaller than the Titanic. But had all those animals on it (laughs) like they were like it's because god could do it he could do anything Uh, uh, also
0: i mean (laughs) where is their science that they say they know what size the ark was that's just what as a very logical person that was i think one of the things that i really struggled with yeah for me it was largely came down to i left the church when there was a lot of the hubbub around the bathroom bills and stuff like that. And oh, yeah. I left it way before that. Yeah. And I was already, I would definitely say, like, I was already on the fence where I wasn't about it and stuff like that. But when you started really seeing, like, the political activity, right? And so Texas, that started when I was, like, 19, right? And so, like, when you saw the political activity that the church takes within that stance, and it just really, you know, it started to bother me. and didn't sit right with me because, you know, I – consider myself as much an inclusive person as I possibly can be. I am not perfect in my allyship, but, you know, what straight person is, right? You know, I try to do what I can and stuff like that. And I just knew in that moment that it just, it wasn't for me in the long term. And it's something that I do, you know, with my own brother that we talk about, you know, that, you know, those, you know, don't allow that to shape who you are, right? You know, just because, you, you know, have experienced that doesn't necessarily mean that that can define that you should feel bad about yourself in any way, shape, or form. So I think it's really, you know, important to talk about those kinds of things. Yeah.
1: I mean, the Take Me to Church series has a lot of like theological discussions Mm -hmm. and I try to keep them as unbiased as possible, regardless of my own opinion. Mm -hmm. I've had people email me and say, So I just have a question. I just read the Take Me to Church series. And are you religious? Because they just don't know by the end of it, like what my faith is, which I think means I did a good job because there's a lot of really interesting theological discussions that came from my personal experience growing up in a conservative Christian household, as well as the fact that I have a degree in religious studies. Oh, nice. So yeah, the only time I've ever used my degree was to write that series. (laughs) But I do have a degree in it. And I started learning about religion just because it was something that dominated my life so much. I ended up having a really big interest in it. So I think that's something that the Take Me to Church series does bring to the table and there's also a lot of, like, religious kink in there.
0: <laughs> we want to get back to that. You know, t- I just have to say, TikTok loves themselves. The priest, the praise kink going on there, they're into that. I think that there's a big market for that kind of thing out there nowadays. Yeah,
1: there's a line that, like, there's a shower scene, and one of the, the religious character, Luca, says something along the lines of, oh, God, or something like that. Mm-hmm. And Harlan says, God isn't here. Perhaps you should worship this instead and like people love that line
0: that's <laughs> that a good that's yeah. a good one that is yeah. and
1: <laughs> And there's a whole like. I mean, there's like you see, alert. you oh. see,
0: you see a lot of like the "I'm your god now" type situation. Like, I don't think it's yeah. sacrilegious, you know, to have I'm that kind of stuff. But like, it, <laughs> if it is a well, right? Like, I just think like. I mean,
1: there's a whole scene in the Take Me Church Series of sending me straight to hell if there's one. <laughs> so I'm fine with that. <laughs> like straight, like do not pass go, do not collect two hundred dollars, straight to hell, and it's fine. It's, it's a- <laughs> and if you read it and you enjoy it, you're going to hell too, and that's okay. <laughs>
0: <laughs> you know, it's like I do believe that the great divine goddess in the sky, you know, is you know she is fully supportive of all of our kinks and our romance, you know. Taste, and I feel like she would read it and love it. So, oh yeah, good. Then. <laughs> okay, so let's talk a little bit more about your recent work, the Take Me to Church series, which you described as a real life depiction of falling in love as a gay teen in the South as they experience the homophobia, mental health issues common. For those communities first of all i love the edginess with which you describe lucas story right beautiful and raw right you don't often yes. hear that kind of description on a romance novel but i think that there's a beauty in that right so you yes. recently released your fourth book for the take me to church series which is mm-hmm. a very gritty more realistic look of what it's like to grow up in the bible belt can you speak a little bit more of the process of writing those four books and the journey you wanted to take luca on through that
1: <laughs> well i'm a planner So I had planned out pretty much the whole four books, but I had originally planned something a little bit less traumatic Mm -hmm. (laughs) for the reader. (laughs) But then I was like, you know what? If my characters have to go through this, my readers are going to go through it too. So fuck it. Let's do it. I knew it would either make people hate me or love me Mm -hmm. and I'm fine with being either. So (laughs) I was just like, I am going to go for it. I wrote it the whole series in the span of, I don't know, like nine months. It wasn't. Wow. Oh, <laughs> yeah. so you're like a
0: speed writer. Oh, nice. Sometimes.
1: Sometimes. It depends. I need like a deadline. Can
0: I ask <laughs> how many words <laughs> per each novel? Because there's four, right? So for listeners yeah. who don't know, there are four books. They cover Luca's journey. And so there's four books in total. And then how many words per book? Mm-hmm.
1: The first one is the smallest and it sits about 65 to 70 okay. K. The last three are all are roughly the same size. The second one is the longest at about a 115 ish K, maybe 110. And then the last two both said about 105. And you wrote that in
0: the span of you said nine months.
1: Yeah, about that, and I was writing other stuff in between too. Oh my god, <laughs> so. you're
0: you're a champ!
1: <laughs> it depends on that. Out. I've slowed down a lot yeah. as far as writing goes. Like I don't write as if I can sit down and do it. I write fast, mm-hmm. but they needed a lot of like work because when I sat down to write it, I didn't intend it to be a series. Yeah. I was just thought writing it was going to be one book. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and it ended up being like four hundred mm-hmm. some thousand words, and I cut out a lot of scenes that were just unnecessary, yeah. which I think every good author will do. Yeah, so. It was a journey (laughs) and I went in knowing kind of what I was planning to do Mm -hmm. and that I was building this relationship just to tear it apart, which was kind of fun and also hard. Yeah. Because I was like, I have to break my characters, but you know, everyone breaks. And one of the messages in the book is broken isn't ugly. It's beautiful. And some of the most beautiful things in the world are broken and they're beautiful because they're broken. So that was one of the messages I wanted to get across was that you can find the beauty in brokenness. And I've had people say, you know, tell me that they thought they were broken and ugly and now they feel beautiful and things of that nature. And that's kind of what I wanted with this series. And, you know, that there's nothing wrong with you. Who you are is who you are. And as long as you're not hurting anyone else, yeah, there's nothing wrong with you.
0: Mm-hmm. I mean, so I would assume that it was pretty cathartic to follow along with this journey with Luca. Yes, well,
1: Harlan and Luca both have a very interesting journey mm-hmm. throughout the whole thing because Harlan he starts off very quiet and reserved and doesn't like talk to anyone and he's very to himself
0: mm-hmm.
1: and he's in a lot of dark places and then you slowly start seeing him like come out of his shell and then I kind of flip it in the end, but so they both had their own journey to go on, and it was cathartic because. Through their stories, I came to terms with a lot of my own story. Mm-hmm. I actually included some of my personal poetry in the book because Harlan writes poetry. Mm-hmm. And I included some of my personal poetry about losing my faith that I wrote when I was much younger. So it was cathartic in a lot of ways. And it was also just fun because I know that if my mom ever read it, she'd be pissed. And that's <laughs> and I'm fine with that. Like She'd be like, oh, my God, you're going to hell. And I'm like, that's fine.
0: i mean if it makes you feel better my mother calls me a slut on a daily basis god bless her she was very sex positive at least that was one thing i would give my mother she's very sex positive
1: my mom read a crap ton of romance but she was not sex positive (laughs) very
0: strange (laughs) you know i don't think that they're mutually exclusive like i definitely think you see more sex positive romance and erotica coming onto the space just like you're seeing more sex positive porn right like like there's this great example of like bellisco has opened their own porn production industry to make feminist forward lgbtq straight porn that would be for everybody right and Yeah. yeah you know and it's the one thing that they wanted to focus heavily on in all of their you know their films was female empowerment and You know, it's not until you see that that you step back and you realize, like, oh, like, the rest of this really isn't necessarily sex positive, even if it's talking about sex, right? Yeah, yeah. My favorite is, like, when a romance novel can pass the Bechdel test.
1: Oh, yeah, like two women talking, yes. and they're not talking about
0: men. Yes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's one of my
1: favorite things. too. <laughs> I do write a lot of male characters, obviously, yeah. but I do have in the Take Me series, they're not really a couple through the whole thing, but there is a lesbian, and she's in love with her best friend. And that's kind of a side story. Mm-hmm. And I think that they have a few conversations, even though the boys are involved. Because it's from the boy's point of view, like I can't, (laughs) I can't exactly be like, oh, I'm going to jump to her head really quick. (laughs) But I have considered doing like just maybe a little short story that is from their perspectives.
0: That sounds uh, great. I I mean, A, I think there hasn't been a ton of representation in the past Mm -hmm. in general, and especially not for sapphic either, too. I think that we're seeing more of that definitely come on, you know, out and stuff like that, which is, I think is great. And so I know that you said, like, at the end of the books, right, you know, you don't get that resolution around, like, a happy ending, right, of Harlan and Luca kind of, like, skipping off into the sky. But I do think that, you know, take me through what that looks like for the characters there at the end. I mean,
1: at the end, you do get that resolution Mm -hmm. of them skipping off to the sky. And there's something very beautiful about the end. Mm -hmm. And I did that because I put them through so so much <laughs> that i felt i owed them the happiest fucking ending i could muster <laughs> and i hate writing fluff <laughs> so I, <laughs> I love writing angst and like smut basically but I wanted to give them the happiest of happy. Mm -hmm. And I knew that if I didn't, my readers would also be pissed because they deserved it too after going through book three. Mm -hmm. So it does have a happy ending. And I mean, some people might consider it bittersweet because Mm -hmm. you are with Luca through this journey of how his faith aligns with his sexuality. And I try to like, I think the end, I'm not going to ruin it for anyone, but I think some people might be like, disappointed with what he ends up choosing Mm -hmm. and it's not really it's not really a choice though because your sexuality is not a choice yeah but you know that whether or not like if your faith can align with you know a gay person Mm -hmm. or a bisexual person or whatever and while the the thing I try to do though was have representation so in religion specifically Mm -hmm. but mostly like I wanted to have a character who was both religious and supportive yeah because that was important to me because I didn't want it to come across as all Christians are this way. Because that's not true. But I did want to highlight that there are still people in the world that are this way. And these types of things still exist. And it is still legal in a lot of countries to do certain things. So I wanted to highlight that. But I also wanted to show, say, hey, look, not everyone's like this. There are some amazing and supportive Christians out there. And that was really important to me.
0: I mean, I think that's great to hear. So, I mean, I'd like to talk a little bit more about representation and inclusivity within the, like the publishing space. I, mean, I definitely think there's been a large push happening for a while in the industry to be more representative of non cis, non straight, you know, type of relationships. You know, we have a lot of popularity with books like Red, White, and Royal Blue, right? Or One Last Stop. Mm-hmm. Those are just yeah. two great examples. Recently making the bestsellers list, which, you know, definitely defied the odds in doing that because for so long, I just think that the rhetoric coming down from the top was that books like this couldn't sell, which we clearly see it's not the truth. I mean, I've read them both, they're beautiful books, you know, and so I do think that, you know, we definitely see that book sales are bringing more attention to readers' interest and seeing more. You know, and better representation of all forms of relationship, but I do kind of feel like you know of the genres, maybe romance and erotica has been. I mean, we've represented, I think, what I would consider more traditional non-straight relationships, right, like male male, female female, you know, but we haven't necessarily explored, you know, poly or. You know, asexual romance novels could be really interesting and stuff like that to just show more. We haven't really explored those spaces. Do you think that we'll continue to see that grow within the future?
1: Yes. And a lot of that is because I think in a lot of ways, fan fiction has been preceding traditional and just in general publishing. So what was popular, what you saw in fan fiction five to 10 years ago are things that are now being published in books because as people who read those fanfics get older, they are out of fandoms and maybe they have real lives and they have kids and blah, 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 and they can't necessarily, they don't want to read Dramini or whatever, but they still want that representation and that particular kink Mm -hmm. or that whatever X, Y, and Z. So I do think, so now there is more of a pull for that because they're like, I used to read this in fanfics. Why can't I find it in publishing? And I think that being an indie author allows you to more flexibility mm-hmm. with exploring those things because you don't have a publishing house saying, no, Yeah, you cannot do that. I would love to see more factual representation of polyamorous relationships. I agree. Because I think so many of them just depend on this fucking love
0: triangle bullshit,
1: which is not the case or like for the, a lot of poly people. the
0: new thing that, where they're selling like reverse harem is poly. I'm like, oh, it's, not. Yeah, it's, no, not. it's not. It's not. That's not poly. completely
1: different. No. <laughs> completely <laughs> no. different. I actually, on my blog, I wrote like 10 tips for, I think it was just in general, writing polyamorous relationships. Mm-hmm because it's just, like you said, like reverse harem is definitely not a poly relationship. Yeah. And it's not an accurate representation of a poly relationship. So I would love to see more of that, as well as like you said, sapphic books are extremely important. You don't see enough of that. And I am guilty of not, I mean, I have some stuff I've been studying on that is more sapphic, for sure. And I have a series that's, planned that is going to explore a lot of things like that which I'm really excited about but I don't know when it's ever going to come out yeah. but it's don't worry about, about
0: it <laughs> we're not like we're not going to give us dates for that I mean it sounds interesting yeah. I'm very excited about it would love to have you back when you know you are publishing that kind of stuff to talk even more about you know inclusivity yeah, and representation
1: it's definitely it's going to be more like BDSM and magical BDSM specifically so I already have, like, the first one mm-hmm. written. I just, there's more that I want to explore within that series. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's going to be, each one's going to be able to be read as a standalone and definitely more on the erotica side. So I'm really excited for that. It's just whenever I get around to it because, you know, as an indie author, I don't have a lot mm-hmm. of time
0: resources. Yeah.
1: And time and resources and things of that nature. But I do try to be representative in my books,
0: Yeah. I do think you see more publishing houses becoming more inclusive, you know, and they're looking for stories like that because they are selling,
1: you know? I think they're kind of being forced to because of that. Like, it's kind of like TV, any kind of entertainment has been, is kind of like this, they're being forced to because these indie authors are starting to like blow up a little bit because they are giving people what they want. And then the traditional publishers are like, shit. Yeah. (laughs) Maybe we should consider that. (laughs) Maybe. I don't know. There's a good idea. Like, I don't know. But I really do think that some of it is they're being forced to kind of reevaluate the way that they have seen the industry for so long because indie publishing is becoming way more popular. It is.
0: Yeah. You've definitely seen that growing. And I think that that's been great for definitely non traditional stories that we, you know, we've wanted to see out there that haven't been able to get ground or you know, footing with traditional publishers and stuff like that. Yeah. You know, I do think that in general. One thing that I think, you know, disappoints me sometimes with traditional publishing houses is they go with like the safe bet, like the safe option of like what seems like yeah. the most marketable. And not that I don't love these stories. They're great. I love them. But like you see when these like these unapologetic ones come on and they make such a big splash, you know, because they're not apologetic about their representation. They just go all for it, right? They're not trying to be cutesy about it or delicate about it in any way, shape, or form. So I think it would be great to see more publishing houses that focus in that, right? Because the fun thing about media is shocking people, right? Like, you're going to make fans or enemies no matter what you do in life, right? Why not go down, you know, doing something interesting, I think, so. I love
1: shocking people. And I think if anyone on here listening were to read the Take Me To Tar series, they'd realize how shocking I can be. Because I like pushing those boundaries. Mm -hmm. I think it's important to push those boundaries. I think it's important to have these conversations that, you know, maybe your teenager is self-harming. And you need to, like, know the signs of Mm -hmm. that. And I have two parents in my books that aren't perfect and parents aren't perfect. And I wanted to represent that Mm -hmm. because I think that you read so many books where the characters are just perfect in every way. It just becomes too, it just becomes too monotonous and you don't relate to it anymore because no one's perfect. Mm
0: -hmm. I agree completely. I think seeing characters too, like main characters that aren't perfect. Right. And it's like, like, yeah, we're doing the whole, like the plus size heroin thing, but I'm like, Show me a heroine that has anxiety and a panic attack on a weekly basis. That's who I want to read about because that's me.
1: Yeah, I wrote in, I think it's the second book. Yeah, the second book. Harlan has a panic attack and I wrote the entire scene out that he is having a panic attack and it's from Luca's perspective. Mm -hmm. And then I also wrote another panic attack later from the perspective of the character having it. Just because anxiety and panic attacks and self-harm and suicidal ideation and, All of these things are real things that people go through and teenagers, nonetheless, I was going through that as a teen. So pretending that it doesn't happen is not helping anything.
0: So I guess I have one more question for you here and then we'll, you know, unfortunately have to let you go. This has been a lovely conversation, by the way. Sorry, it hasn't been kinky enough. <laughs> I mean, I feel like I'm failing, you know, I delivered kinks, you know, I said I'll deliver kinks for you and we haven't, but you know, this has, regardless been an absolutely logical and you know, what I love, you know, just talking about topics that, you know, are, you just, you know, gabbing and, and relaxing and talking about topics that are people are passionate about. And I can tell that you're truly passionate about the types of characters that you write, as well as the representation that you offer. You know, where do you really see inclusivity and representation going over the next few years? Or what do you hope to see with that over the next few years?
1: Well, like we talked about, I really hope to see more sapphic books. Mm-hmm. I think they're incredibly important because a lot of romance readers are female. Yeah, so they're not being sapphic books doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. Yeah. <laughs> I'm really hoping to see more of that and more, you know, people who are transgendered mm-hmm. and non-binary yeah. and on the spectrum in general. I think it'd be interesting to read a romance book that involves an asexual character because it would be more aromantic instead of, you know, being romantically interested. In the I life. would agree
0: completely, particularly just because you would have to build the story in such a way that is just so much more interesting. Right. Because. Yeah. You know, for a lot of people that I know that identify as asexual, right, it can either, like, either they don't, like, they can't at all, right, or, you know, for them, it's, like, an intellectual thing, so they have to feel like they've connected on multiple other levels before they can get to that point with their partner. You know, I think looking at that is just so real, right, and I think that a lot of people who are even straight can, you know, are regular or you know more atypical right not neurodivergent or something like that you know can relate to those things because i mean even if you don't identify as asexual you might have times where you know for you it's more about the connection you have with somebody than it is about anything else i also think that we do lean so heavily into the like stroke his dick hard type thing
1: you yeah. know to
0: like carry the plot Which pretty I far love. <laughs>
1: I love smut. I love writing smut. I am a smut horror. Like
0: <laughs> I love writing smut. Smut nation unite. Hundred percent. I love yeah, it.
1: I love it. But yeah, I think it would be interesting. And then, of course, really an accurate representation of a poly relationship. God, I really would love to see that.
0: Yeah. Because I don't think I've I'll seen. Write. I don't think I've seen a single one. Like, at all. Yeah. And, like, there There, there there are some authors out there that are genuinely trying, right? They're trying to represent it. It just, it it always kind of falls short.
1: I think poly relationships just make people really uncomfortable and they don't understand them, which is a big issue because they're like, oh, I'm too jealous for that. And I'm like, that's why you should have one, because you're jealous. You need to, like, learn to be more secure in yourself. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then sex in poly relationships, like, I feel like no one really like threesomes are way more difficult than books making it seem like there's a lot of you put your foot there no no over there and then okay you sit on her face while I do that and like there's there, there's just none of that awkwardness that happens so often in threesomes like threesomes
0: do not go easy I absolutely, love that to you, I absolutely love that you said that because that is like that has long been my siren song with people when they talk about like oh I thought a threesome would be so great I'm like look either one per- Person gets left out, or one person's holding, you know, something on the side, or like that somebody's like over here shattered. trying to make their leg fit somewhere. Like, it's yes, it's like
1: a, your, your legs are shaking, and you're worried that she's, you know, your legs are shaking, and you're worried that she's getting drowned while he's being like, it's just not like it's a very difficult thing to do. Okay, exactly. Uh, and exactly. the logistics are not there, and people write threesomes and they're like oh you know like there's just so it's so easy I'm just like no bro it's not like you've never been in a threesome obviously because it is not easy it's a very difficult thing to do the logistics is insane and there's a lot of like verbal communication mm-hmm. it's like no 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 you stand over there no no, no I need you to it'll just open. naturally happen <laughs> at all no no and Polly requires communication.
0: I mean (laughs) what cracks me up is that, you know, because not all poly couples, you know, prefer threesomes, right? Sometimes, you know, maybe she's just the poly poly, one and she engages with both or, you know, sometimes it's everybody, you know, or it's him and he has a boyfriend also as well as wife or something like that. I mean, I think sometimes.
1: And I would love to see, in general, more awkward sex. (laughs) I love writing awkward sex scenes because they're so realistic and it makes me laugh. And, like, I would like the first sex scene between Harlan and Luca. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I made it awkward for a reason because it was the first time Harlan had ever had sex. And that does not go over the whole thing. Exactly. Yeah. And I would just like more accurate and realistic depictions of sex in general in romance novels. I think it would be, I think it's important because people who are reading those younger people who may not have had sex yet. They need to know that it's not going to go perfectly. Yeah. And that there's going to be awkward situations and there's going to be a time. And it doesn't
0: matter who you you are or, you know, what your preference is or how you were born. It doesn't matter. The first time you have it, it is going to probably be the worst experience of your life. You're going to be somewhat traumatized. Yeah. You're
1: going to accidentally hit your partner in the face once. You're going (laughs) to fart on occasion. Like, there are just all these things that happen during sex that no one wants to talk about. And I'm just like, bro, let's do it. Like, let's actually make an accurate representation of sex. Because sex is not easy like I mean, a lot of the time. Sex I
0: think that, like, <laughs> there's so sexy. much, like, banter that comes around the fact. Because, like, I think we as humans lean more into, like, this, like, almost making fun of ourselves when we're in an awkward yeah. situation. That like, there is a yes. certain amount of banter that occurs in those stairs because you're just trying to, like ease the tension right so
1: yeah and if you've never like been in a sexual situation where something awkward happened and you just start laughing both of you then that's just not it's real like that <laughs> kind of crap is real and I would love to see that happening more in romance because <laughs> I do my best to portray that in books and like in the mafia trilogy that I have coming the third book, there's a lot of like awkward sex and I love it. It makes me laugh. I crack myself up during those sex Mm -hmm. scenes, but it is so real and that's what I would love to see. I would love to see more realness in books in general and I'm not talking like, oh, vampires are bad because they're not real. No, I'm talking about like, Real shit, like I mean, but family. even if it's a vampire, they're still going to... Like, why <laughs> do we always assume that vampires are
0: somehow charismatic and suave? Not all of them can be charismatic. Show me Joe from IT who's over there, like, just wondering how to use a sex toy, okay? That's who I want to see. Yeah, I want, I want an awkward
1: vampire that has to Google how to use a dildo. Like, give me that. Give me that. Give me a werewolf with, like, social anxiety who wants to be pegged but doesn't know how to say it. Like... <laughs> I need these types of things because they're real and they're funny. And, you know, sometimes you need to find the humor in sex. Well, and
0: I think, I mean, I think we can't, just, we just can't always take ourselves serious, right? Sometimes we just need no. that, you know, we need that to dispel the tension and the moment, I think, too. Yeah. Like, I think for me, when okay. it's <laughs> like the sex scene is too overwrought or too perfect in some ways, like, it feels less real to me.
1: Yeah, and I just, I kind of just wish more accurate <laughs> Like, sex being more real and, like, awkward mm-hmm. and true to what it is. <laughs> because sex isn't always, like, perfect. And, you know, he opened her up like a flower on a spring day. Like, who the fuck thinks that? Like, Give me some real shit. Like, <laughs> that's my vote.
0: <laughs> my favorite is when you see, like, because a lot of the scenes, especially when it's, like, male-female, tend to be very male-driven, right? Like he, I'm like, where's the scene where she's, like, a little bit of a dom, right? And she's going to come in and crack the whip and, like, get down on your
1: knees. In that BDSM series that I have, there's one story that's in it that I've already kind of written, Mm -hmm. but it needs a lot of work, where it ends up being, like, a three-way relationship between two girls and male, Mm -hmm. and one of the girls is the dom in the relationship. And it was fun to explore that because I think so many people never see the female as the dom mm-hmm. in a lot of ways. And I'm just like, no, don't.
0: females can be dominant. Dude, that femdom section of TikTok is real. Yeah. Oh, I, yeah. I don't yeah. know how I've ended up on it. It's probably related to the <laughs> types of content that I put out there because I do a lot of priority for the podcast on TikTok. But, like, I somehow, like, I think I follow every major femdom on TikTok, and I'm kind of like, good for you, goddess. Way to get it. I like, I mean, yeah. I just think... I think more representation of females being unapologetic about their sexuality is great, too. I would
1: also just like to see some taboo stuff. Like, in Take Me a Church series, it's kind of taboo because there's a lot of, like, religious imagery but make it horny (laughs) type thing.
0: There is, I mean, (laughs) hey, I mean, it's growing. People like it. Like, I mean. Well,
1: there's a part where it says, like, that he puts his hands, like, he braces his hands on the windowsill. And he looks like the crucifixion of Jesus. Uh And I'm like, yeah, I took it there. I have no issues. Uh,
0: (laughs) You know, it's really funny because one of our good friends who is, you know, gay, he said his sexual awakening was looking at the Jesus crucifix in church on a Sunday morning. And he's like Hispanic from like deep South Catholic. so, right. They
1: always make him, like, built. <laughs> so, like, he doesn't
0: have a six-pack. He has the 12-pack. Like, it's full yeah, on. You,
1: like, did you expect that not to be homoerotic? Because
0: let's not. <laughs> <laughs> We definitely know who those artists were back in the Renaissance era who were creating that iconography. Let's just, let's be realistic there, so. Yeah,
1: yeah, let's be real. But (laughs) yeah, that's hilarious, and I love that. (laughs) I love that for your friend.
0: (laughs) It makes me giggle every time he says it. I absolutely love it. I'm just like, I'm living for that comment. Because honestly, like, I mean, yeah. I mean, you look at that, and you're kind of like, ooh, hello, very muscular.
1: Mine was was Shania Twain's belly button.
0: (laughs) Oh, yeah, she had the little belly ring when it was popular, and she Specifically, always...
1: Specifically, Shania Twain's belly button, yeah.
0: <laughs> oh, I love that it's, like, just you never know where you're going to hear it for somebody ever, so... Yeah, I love
1: hearing people's sexual awakenings, bisexual awakenings, and, but, yeah, Shania Twain was up there for me. <laughs> <laughs> and then charmed, like, all oh of the Oh, my God, titles. yes. <laughs> 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 Phoebe specifically. Oh, she's so gorgeous. I loved her. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Phoebe is the middle sister in the original. She... Right.
1: Well, she was the youngest in the
0: oh, original. Oh, yeah. she, she wore all the belly shirts.
1: Yes. I like belly buttons, I guess. Like me. <laughs> Early kinks. I, I mean... <laughs> like you look back on your kinks and you realize where they came from. You're like, oh. I
0: feel like the mid... I feel like the, I feel like the mid-90s to like... Gen Z people these days do not know. Like, they think that they are inventing... The belly button, like no, we had shirts that barely quantified as shirts in 1995. Yes. Like there's yes, stuff yes. that we like in sheer too. Like it was like it would not cover anything, and then the part that covers the boobs was sheer, right? Yes, yeah. Like it was,
1: or like that trend that had like a sticker over the nipple, and that was it.
0: it's <laughs> <That's laughs> <like>, coming, oh. <laughs> coming back now. My niece sent me a picture of it, and she's like, "How do they do this?" <laughs> <laughs> you are not wearing that out of the house not, until you're we're 18. Not you se-
1: <laughs> we're not giving you the secrets of the early 2000s. Sorry. <laughs>
0: My favorite is like vague because these days think they're so scandalous with all like the, the cutouts and stuff on their clothes. And yeah. I'm like, dude, we invented the like strategically placed rip hole in the pants. Right. Like, I was like, <laughs> yeah. let me put it to this way. Like 1999 Christina Aguilera assless chaps. Oh Not my sad. god. Christina Aguilar is such an icon at that point like <laughs> I am convinced that she led the big booty revolution. Right? Because you think everybody now they're into these, like, guys with the big, like, the big badonkadonks. I feel like she yeah. led that. Because she was the first
1: I don't know. skinny girl that
0: I feel like you really saw that, like, put it out there and advertised it. And then, of course, like, Kim and, you know, yada. That. Yeah. right.
1: I'm trying to think. There's someone else I'm think- trying to think of who had, a like, a big ass at the time. And people, like, always talked about it. I cannot remember who it was. Because Christina Aguilera was super thin at one point. She was. Which, you know, is fine if you're naturally yeah. that way. You know, I'm not going to shame anyone's body type. Mm-hmm. But she was super thin at one point. I remember that. Like, the iconic picture of her, like, her pants are so far down. I'm like, how are you not How do you keep them up?
0: Everything you how are? do you keep them up? <laughs> like, I, like <laughs> truly, we were testing fate in 2001 with how low our pants were. Gravity was not a thing. Like, everyone's <laughs> like... It was like like I had my niece asked me about the she's like, What's the whale tail? And I so I had to explain it to um, her and I was like trying to explain that to a fourteen year old and she was like Oh, is she Yeah, she's fourteen yes, and it's like why would people choose to wear that? Like knowing it was like because we didn't have a choice. If you went like No, your pants were so you were, that when you went shopping at the jean store, people, it was seven inches below your belly button or nine inches below your belly button. Those are yeah, like your two. Your
1: your zipper was about like this, this long. long. Like your zipper was literally this long. Like I remember <laughs> very vividly. My mom was very conservative and she would always say like she would say up down, which means she meant my pants need to come up and my shirt needs to go down. And I would pull my shirt up and push my pants further down and she'd get so mad at me. But I guess like it's kind of funny how like you look back and you are like, Oh, that's where that kink came from. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> like, <laughs> that's how that developed. Interesting. <laughs> like
0: <laughs> no, it's like you laugh but it's true like
1: my Jesus kink came from that that crucifixion statue like <laughs> I, I
0: call him like Jesus. for me like I looked at so many fashion magazines growing up that like I am not even remotely surprised that I have a heel kink now like at all.
1: Like you know, foot right? finish,
0: just a heel kink, right? And I'm like I literally ingested so many episodes of Vogue in my life that I'm like yeah, that makes sense that I would like heels <laughs> and like the higher the better too.
1: <laughs> that's so interesting i don't know like i definitely see my kink is just other people getting off mm-hmm. it's not very strange i don't know where that came from <laughs> but
0: i think anyone maybe it's like a, you were a people pleaser in another life and now it kind of oh like, yeah relates... oh no i'm a
1: people pleaser now so maybe that's what it yeah. is like maybe i just it's my fear of failure <laughs> or something <laughs> But yeah, I love to explore kings mm-hmm. in my books for sure. That's something that I don't necessarily do it as much in the Take Me to Church series. But I'm definitely I explore them yeah. much more later. But the Take Me to Church series has definitely religious king exploration. <laughs> there's
0: a lot of. <laughs> would you would you <laughs> say that's the craziest king that you've ever incorporated in your writing, or do you feel like no, that's relatively tame?
1: That's tame. The Magical BDSM series. There's a part where he's see. I'm trying. I'm not gonna. try. I'm trying not to ruin it. But mm-hmm. whatever. He is using a sex toy on the other male character and he is having him recite a potion ingredient list, like how to make a potion. And if he pauses or gets something wrong, he stops and he won't let him come. (laughs) And he's not allowed to come until he says the whole potion. So it's like edging
0: and sex toys at the same time. Yeah,
1: it's edging and sex toys and he has to remember it because if he gets it wrong, then he's not allowed to come until his partner does. And if he pauses for longer than 10 seconds, he's not allowed to come into his partner. So there was mm-hmm. like rules incorporated into it. And so it's quite interesting. The I like to explore. That's not like I'm trying to think of other I have read. I've written a lot of like kinky, kinky, kinky shit. Like, <laughs> I, I mean, it. I, like I definitely
0: feel it. like, you know, romance and erotica. That's the space for it. We absolutely love our kinks. I feel like most of us have had like, even if we started somewhere as we were reading because let's be honest, we're all readers, right? We all read it and we write it, right? I feel like a lot of our sexual awakenings have somewhat come to these books, like with regards to t- kinks, because you're like, you don't realize that you're into a primal kink until you're reading an Omegaverse novel in your mind.
1: That just Ooh. happened. Ooh, that just happened to me. And then there was like, I remember very early, the book that I was telling you about how I learned about sex. Mm-hmm. There's a whole scene in that where she is giving a blood job to him and she's a vampire, so she sucks.
0: So yeah, she bites him, like, well, a little bit sucking, of bite. Yeah, while yeah, gets the teeth involved. And I was
1: like, bro, I didn't know that I like this until now. <laughs> like, <laughs> I didn't know that I had this kink until now. And I just read a book very recently that had like a true depiction of a primal kink. And it was more of a like a predator versus prey mm-hmm. kink. And I was like, oh, I'm not going to be into this. And then I was like, oh, I'm totally into this. <laughs>
0: You know, I really feel like Twilight actively primed me for that biting kink at like such a young age. <laughs> like such a young age.
1: I never got into Twilight weirdly enough. I was more of a Harry Potter fan, I think. But I
0: mean, yeah, I read it I read, I read it all. I read it all, I'll be honest. I read it all. I had liked yeah. vampires before Twilight came out. Like I grew up in Louisiana, okay. so like Anne Rice, queen of it all, right? Oh gosh, yeah. Like, my okay, sexual awakening was probably Brad Pitt in Interview with the Vampire <laughs> very easily. Like, 100%. Oh, I was, oh, gosh. you're so sexy. Yeah, 100%. So I definitely like when it like approaching it in like the novel space. And then like very quickly, I was like, okay, where are all of the more of the, these things? Right? Like not this level, yes. but like the next level of that. Like let's ante it up. A yeah. Little bit. And you just keep like
1: building and building and building until one day you're like, you say like eight, ten years ago. Oh, I'd never like a daddy kid. in <laughs> <laughs> like it and you're like fuck yeah call him daddy <laughs> so it's just it's very interesting how kinks work and then like some people might like it in a book mm-hmm. but not really like it in practice yeah. like I really like to read like spanking and stuff like that in books but I don't like to be spanked yeah. so and that's perfectly fine too yeah. but I think that these types of books allow you to explore that part of yourself and what you like yeah. and what your boundaries are Because knowing your boundaries is such a big part of BDSM and knowing your limits. And I think books allow that safe space to learn your limits and learn who you are and also explore your sexuality, your gender, all of it. Yeah.
0: I mean, I think it's because at the end of the day, right, unless you read the book, you don't like, like, my favorite is when like, you find that book that like, maybe it was something for you, like it meant something deep down, right? And by deep down, we all know where I'm talking about for that book and then you see somebody else who's also read that book and then you're like it's like like the sisterhood right like yes Yes. the readerhood, yes (laughs) yes like it's like was it as life changing for you as it was for me oh good yay we can be friends so
1: (laughs) (laughs) you're like the same fucked up shit i liked and let's be ffs like (laughs) that's literally what it is like this book made me want to kill myself and you should read it exactly i
0: mean i think for me i think like my only off-limit things like when it comes to is I'm not really big into like the vast age difference thing
1: oh yeah I'm not big on that one just because I feel like age play. it
0: gets so controlling at times it gets weird and then like any and
1: there's you know grooming I'm not you know that's, yeah. that's a great that I just don't yeah. want to go I might I don't know if I have like that's definitely the age play is definitely not something that I enjoy yeah I'm okay
0: with, like, a little bit, like, an age gap that's, like, 10
1: to, you maybe I
0: don't want a a realistic age gap, but I just think when it, like, gets too much into, like, the daddy-daughter thing, that's when it gets weird to me. And it's okay, but hey, hey, if it floats said people's boat, not gonna shame them for reading it, just not my cup of tea, so. And then, like, I think anything that, like, is, like, scat-based or anything like that is not really my thing. But luckily, that's, like, a very niche portion of romance novels.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I don't have a lot. Like, I don't really have a hard limit. As long as it's well written mm-hmm. and approached in a reasonable way, I don't, I can't think of anything that I'm, like, I would probably, like, yeah, that's my hard line. You know. Yeah, I'm pretty open. I'm hard to shake. Mm-hmm. I think non-con is probably a hard line for me, for sure. And some people get off on that, and that's fine. It's
0: your, your thing. I just, it's I just have to ask.
1: fictional character. I just have
0: to ask. i not heard that. What's Non-con
1: non-consensual oh yeah 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 so and some people you know they explore those fantasies Mm -hmm. in a controlled environment like a book where no real people get hurt and I am fine with that as long as it doesn't travel into real life and there are people who find these communities where they pretend it's non-con but it actually is consensual but there's like an agreement that says you know like we're going to pretend it's not consensual and here's my safe word and if I say my safe word then it's going to officially become non-consensual So I think that it's important to explore those, but that's definitely a condom. I think it's great that when
0: you do see books like that that they tend to give trigger warnings nowadays. Yes. Because Yeah, I trigger warn my The worst is like getting halfway through a book and like they spring something on you and there's no warning. And it's like I would rather know going into this what the scenario is. Like I'm not going to say I'm going to judge an author who writes a non-con situation, but at the same point, like, crap no, me no. going into it that it's that, so that I know that. I want to know. Yeah, <laughs> so.
1: Yeah, I read a book recently that had, it was borderline non-con, mm-hmm. and the author chose not to do trigger warnings, but I decided to read reviews, and some of them mentioned that there was slightly non-con scene. Mm-hmm. So it's definitely a gray area a lot of time, especially, it's a gray area in law, it's a gray area. Yeah in our world. So it's a great area for authors as well. I don't think I will ever personally write a non-con scene. I'm yeah. very big on writing consent into my books. But I've read it, like it's been borderline, very very borderline, but it's not like a close the book type of situation for me, but it's more of a mm, I could do without this. Like it's not my yeah. it's not my jam. Mm-hmm. And that's, you know, that's fine. I just yeah, I'm pretty open though to exploring different kinks. I have no issues with that.
0: Well, you know, I'd love to give you back some time this evening. I just wanted to say a love to the kink discussion. Glad that we got around to it. I apologize that it didn't happen earlier because I definitely promised kinks coming to the table. Yes, yes. But thank you so much for joining me today. If anybody wants to find out any more information about your stuff, what is the best place for them to get a hold of your stuff?
1: Well, my website is lmarcherofficial.com, and that has all of my books on it. Mm-hmm. I also have Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, Facebook, all of it. And that is all the same across all platforms as LM Archer Books. Okay. And I am fairly active on all those platforms. I'm not the best at being active on TikTok, but it's fine. Well, as I'll, I'll be, be honest. As
0: I go. TikTok hates us anyway. I mean, like to post anything remotely related to like romance or erotica is so difficult on TikTok. So
1: Yes, I just made a video about how someone called my books trauma porn, Mm -hmm. which is a new word for me, but a new phrase for me, trauma porn. But I was like, you know, I'm going to own it. It is very traumatic and if that's what you consider that it some
0: people i mean some people want to go through that experience right so
1: yes some people find it cathartic yeah. uh, like very cathartic and like therapeutic mm-hmm. to go through it but someone said it was just trauma for and i was like you know that's fine but i'm one of those people that is like own what someone says like bad about you like my sister used to call me a slut and i'd be like yeah i'm a slut okay mm-hmm. like you know if you just agree with them they'll go away yeah. So I made a video about how it was trauma porn. Like someone said it was trauma porn. So I was like, you know, if you're into that kind of thing, if you're into trauma porn, if that's your kink, come buy my books. (laughs) But yeah, TikTok hates smut. (laughs) And any kind of like you have to be very creative with how you market certain things. Like there's a whole good discussion about the word cock on TikTok recently. I don't know if you've been including
0: that. What are you recently? talking about? We're just talking about a rooster. I mean, come on now. I know. See, that's yeah, the thing, like that's the thing that I feel like I want to say to the TikTok people sometimes. Is I'm like, you know what? Just because you assumed I was talking about that word and you were right doesn't mean that I was talking about that word and you could have been people wrong. People get so creative. Like someone was like, they
1: put a little like rooster gif, flashed it up <laughs> instead of saying the word. Yeah. But like that has been a whole ass conversation about the word cock because someone said that and made them cringe and then everyone was like, oh, I'm canceling the word cock and I'm like, okay, then don't read my books because there's cock is literally written like 52 times in one of them like, you just need to calm your ass down. (laughs) there are certain no no words everyone has them but I mean I feel like if they have such a
0: problem with it then just let do what YouTube and Facebook and Instagram does and just let us mark our content as 18 plus so basically we'll be the fun side of the internet and they can just come on over to us so Uh,
1: well and I think TikTok is starting to go toward that I'm hoping because it would be nice to like openly
0: have more conversations about about this kind of stuff yeah
1: Especially healthy conversations because, again, it goes back to that pretending it doesn't exist doesn't mean it doesn't exist. I (laughs) I agree
0: completely.
1: Yeah. So I think it's important to have healthy conversations, but I get that they can't, like, they can't monitor that and make sure everything is accurate and stuff. But, you know. I work in tech. I I work in tech. It's all
0: algorithms that monitor it anyway. So they can adjust the algorithms. Yeah. It's an excuse.
1: I can't guarantee you. I do not work in tech, so I don't don't understand algorithms. I just know that they hate me and they don't understand me either. So. (laughs) (laughs) but it's okay I
0: showed I did a one second video of just showing a vibrator it was like not even a vibrator that looks like a penis it was just a vibrator and they immediate immediate community got they didn't even let me get it up it was like in the process of uploading and processing and it got shut down immediately it was like guys it's just a motor a a
1: point of uh, I did a point of view you're at your character's funeral Mm -hmm. and then I says I'm not sorry I killed you yeah as you know like a joke but they heard the word killed and they like they didn't take it down, but they severely, like, I only have, like, 12 views on yeah. it in, like, three days. So I deleted it, and then I said, unalived you, and now it has more views. And I'm like, this is the dumbest
0: thing. <laughs> that's, that's what <laughs> turns me it, because it's all cool. these people. are Like, where are these young people getting these terms from? And I'm like, it's because TikTok won't let them say them.
1: Yes. So you get creative with, or K-word instead. Mm-hmm. So you have to get creative with, like, the word you use. Like, the co discussion. Someone said, sock and then like instead like they had like the closed captioning yeah. and they put a little rooster where they said sock so people understood mm-hmm. and they were like get wrong with sock <laughs> because you have to get creative in these types of it's kind of interesting though how language is evolving. Mm-hmm. To, to go to trick algorithms. <laughs> but as a, yeah, as as a developer, it it uh,
0: you know, we tend to be very anti establishment because most of us don't have degrees anyway. <laughs> so we live for that kind of stuff that people are trying to screw over the companies that are, you know, yeah, doing these things yeah to I,
1: I literally, one of my better performing videos was not very good was I showed my books and it was that song that's like God is a bit of a freak, that song that was like viral on TikTok. Yeah. And I used that sound and I showed my books and then it said religious imagery, but make it horny. And I had to like use a zero for the O in horny because <laughs> I was like, they're going to like, <laughs> like,
0: they're going to say that word. So much censorship. Like, oh, Let's just be like Europe and embrace it all, okay? yes yes it's okay to say the word well you know what I, I am so i'm so sorry to keep you for so long but i'll let you thank you so much to lm for joining me for this amazing and thought-provoking conversation we got real about inclusivity kinks and mental health and the general hard to talk about topics around sexuality representation if you want to learn more about lm archer and her work please check her out at lmarcher.com or on her social media profiles at lm archer books Thanks for listening to today's episode. If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to support the podcast, please share it with others post it on social media or leave a rating and review to catch all the latest from me, Hallie Catherine. You can follow me on Instagram at Hallie Catherine romance on Facebook and YouTube at Hallie Catherine romance and on Twitter at HK underscore romance. Thanks again for joining us here on my other boyfriend is a vibrator. I'll see you next time and stay kinky y'all.